want to get to the message this morning and share for a little bit on kind of this Christmas theme. And if you were here last weekend, I shared about Christmas gifts. And we just talked a little bit about Jesus being, you know, the greatest gift. Today, I want to talk about handing out the gifts. Now, I'm going to say it's not like I'm consumed with gifts at Christmas, but apparently I have a few messages about it, so maybe I like gifts. And I want to look at handing out the gifts. This is an important part of Christmas. I mean, it, Christmas is almost here. You can almost taste it. And it tastes like turkey and stuffing or ham and mashed potatoes, whatever you guys cook. It's close. And people are getting excited. Kids are getting excited. Parents are getting excited. I'm not sure what you guys do for your Christmas morning opening present. Some people open a present or two in Christmas Eve. But usually, whatever it is, you get together and somebody hands out the gifts. Now, handing out the gifts is pretty important. Because whoever hands them out should be able to read so they give the right person the gift. Whoever hands them out should be careful, you know, they don't drop it. And they probably shouldn't rip it open themselves. So, <laughs> we have never let our three-year-old hand out the gifts. We choose somebody who's going to do it well. Well, I believe that every great gift is presented and brought by someone who the giver trusts. Now, sometimes the giver brings it themselves and presents it. But there is a gift in Scripture, the greatest gift of all time, who I believe is Jesus. And he was given to us by the Heavenly Father. But that gift was held and handed out by two people. You see, John 3.16 says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus was a gift. And he was a gift for the entire world, for anybody who would receive him. And today I want to take a little bit of time and look at the two people who God chose to bring his greatest gift to the world. You see, the Heavenly Father chose a teenage girl and a poor carpenter. And he said, I have checked through the world at this point in history, and I have found two people I trust to hand out this gift, to carry this gift, to look after this gift until he's ready to be presented to the world. I found two. Now, you and I might think, well, shouldn't he have found somebody with a little money to help themselves better? You know, shouldn't he have found somebody maybe a little more mature? No, he chose a teenage girl because he saw her heart. If you're here today, you're a teenager, God chooses you as well. He's looking at your heart. And he chose Mary and he chose Joseph, a carpenter. And he chose them for their hearts. You see, both of them were actually told by an angel that they'd been chosen to carry the gift and to hand it out. Luke 1 and verse 28 it says, Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. 
Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her. For you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. Mary, a young lady, has an angel show up and say, you've been chosen. You've found favor. And I like this story because Mary, the angel says, you know, don't be afraid. This is what I've got to do. And as it continues, she says to the angel, well, that's not possible because I'm not yet married. And the angel says, don't worry. The Holy Ghost is going to put a seed in you. You're going to have a baby. Mary answers and says, all right then, as you say, let it be done. You see, God chose a person who would believe for the impossible. God chose a young teenager who would believe that he could do anything. And a young teenager who was obviously quite courageous. You know, we think, well, an angel showed up, it's Gabriel. We have other scripture where Gabriel showed up and men fell to their faces in fear. And yet this teenager doesn't tell us she fell down at all. She had a conversation. Now, there must have been a little bit of fear because he said, don't be afraid. Jesus chose a young, courageous teenager who already knew the Lord, who knew the Lord and knew him well enough to know that he could do anything he wanted. God chose the right woman to carry his gift. Joseph was told by an angel as well that he was chosen to look after Mary and the child. Matthew 1 verse 18. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. And he considered this, as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. You see, Joseph was chosen. He was chosen by God to look after Mary and baby Jesus. And I believe God chose the right man because of his heart. And we see his heart immediately. This man was a man who cared and was merciful. You see, in that time, that day and age, if Mary had been found with child before they were married and it wasn't Joseph's, it would be considered adultery, it would be considered sin, and she could be stoned. They could kill her by throwing rocks. And he could be the one to say, this has happened, she should be judged. But Joseph was merciful, and even though he thought that was the case, and everybody's now looking at him, and it's an embarrassment. She cheated on you, oh sure, she's got this wild story, we believe her not. Joseph was the right man for the job. And Joseph, as he's thinking about this, hears directly from an angel, this is what you're to do. And he says, okay, I will do it. You see, Mary's job was to love and nurture the gift of Jesus until it was time to present him to the world. 
She carried him in her womb, wrapped him, and cared for him. In Luke 2, verse 6, it says this, that while they were there in Bethlehem, the time came for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. Mary was a mother that loved dearly, and she looked after Jesus with whatever she had, wherever she was. And she would love Jesus dearly till the day he would be presented to the world. You see, when he was born, the gift had arrived, but it wasn't yet presented for the world to receive for many years to come. And Mary was given the responsibility of being mom to Jesus. She would hold in her heart the many words that would come. You see, when Jesus was eight days old, they took him to the temple to be circumcised, and there were prophetic words that would come. And Mary held them in her heart, and she raised Jesus with the love that a mother can do. The shepherds who showed up told them the great story of angels coming and singing and Mary, it says, held it in her heart. In Luke 2, 18, verse 19, it says this, All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. Mary was a mother who loved deeply and greatly, and we see that she would look out for Jesus and be his mom as long as she possibly could, even to the point where she stood at the foot of a cross in Golgotha. Risking her life to be there in support of one that they said was a criminal and deserved to die. A mom who loved dearly. And she was there. And she was watching Jesus with a broken heart, I'm sure. You see, she probably remembered the prophecy that had come at the temple when he was only eight days old. Where it said that he would save the world. He would be the one they looked to for redemption, but it also said, Mary, even a sword will pierce through your heart. And as she felt that pain, I'm sure she remembered it, but still wondered, is this how he'll save the world? In John 19, 25, we see that picture of what was happening there at the cross. Standing near the cross were Jesus' mother, and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved, that would be John, he said to her, Dear woman, here is your son. And he said to his disciple, Here is your mother. And from then on, this disciple took her into his home. A mother who loved dearly. Scholars believe from what we read here that Joseph by this time had already passed away and therefore Mary would be living with her son but he's about to pass away and he says, John's going to look after you now. A mother who raised him and brought him to this point. I wonder if she thought, did I do it right? Is this where we were supposed to end up? But she most definitely did. God chose her and she did it well. You see, Joseph's job was to protect and direct this gift with his life until it was time to present him to the world. Mothers and fathers, you and I 
have a role as well. You have been chosen to raise a gift. You see, children are a gift from the Lord, and they are a gift to the world. You may not have Jesus to raise, but you have someone that God says is meant to be a gift to the world. Joseph was told by an angel at one point, Joseph, you need to leave now to protect this child. Listen to what he did in Matthew 1 and verse 13. It says, after the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, flee to Egypt with the child and his mother, the angel said. Stay there until I tell you to return, because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. That night, Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary, his mother, and they stayed there until Herod's death. This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet. I called my son out of Egypt. You see, Joseph knew that he was called to protect this child. And he was willing to do it with his life. You see, God chose the right man. He chose a man who knew how to hear from him and knew how to listen. A man who was not afraid to leave everything behind because God said so. You see, from the stories as we read, we can tell that Jesus was born in that manger and it was actually quite a while after when the wise men showed up. It's why Herod said, kill all the babies two years and younger. There was a time frame. So we get the idea that Joseph and Mary, it says, were in a house by this time. He was probably a little bit settled. He was a carpenter. Maybe he had some carpentry contracts. He definitely had relatives in the area because he was from Bethlehem. And one word from God, he said, I don't have a problem leaving it all behind. Let's go. My job is to protect this child. It's not about my status. Not about my ego. I'm going to follow what he says. And I'm going to look after this gift that he's given me. Changed their entire life to make sure that child would be okay. Parents, those of you who were parents maybe a long time ago, you can probably think back to sacrifices you made to make sure your kids were okay. Things you did to make sure that they would be raised up well. If you're listening to the Lord and you follow what he says, he'll honor it and he'll bless you. Joseph was the head of the house, and we know from Scripture that he made sure his family served God. Men, fathers, I'm going to talk to you a little bit today. I'm going to push a little bit. Don't leave. Hang in there with me. Dads, you have an important role. You see, Joseph was the head of the home, and he was the one who would say, we're going to church. They had synagogue. They had times where the young people learned the scriptures. It was their culture. He was the head. Mary didn't have to drag them to church. He said it was more important than other things, and he made sure that regularly his family went. In Luke 2 and verse 40, Luke chapter 2 is where we read the Christmas story, and it goes from Jesus' angels being born to he's 12 years old, all in one chapter. 
And in verse 39, it says, When Jesus' parents had fulfilled all the requirements of the law of the Lord, they returned home to Nazareth in Galilee. Joseph made sure they followed God's principles and laws. It was Old Testament at that point. But he was following God to the best of his ability. And it says in verse 40, There the child grew up healthy and strong. He was filled with wisdom, and God's favor was on him. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. When Jesus was 12 years old, they attended the festival as usual. They went to the temple. This was a longer journey now. They had smaller places of worship called synagogues in their local communities, and then they would make a long trek by foot to the temple in Jerusalem. You see, Joseph knew that his family serving God was very, very important. There are statistics that clearly show if dad serves the Lord and takes his family to church, the family will continue serving God. The kids will continue serving God as they grow. But if mom only does it and not dad, the kids will quit. Because the kids, when they get of age, decide, you know what? Dad didn't think it was important, and, you know, mom's just the one who harasses us all the time, but dad, he's, you know, I'm going to do what dad does. I could get in trouble the way I said that, but you know what I mean. Dads, it's your role spiritually. If you want your kids to live blessed and serve God, dad, take charge and say, this is what we do as a family. We also know from this story in Luke chapter 2 that Joseph and Mary taught Jesus how to respect authority. Let's read that in Luke 2 verse 48. It says, His parents didn't know what to think. Son, his mother said to him, What have you done to us? Your father and I have been frantic searching for you everywhere. Let me back up for a second. The story I read to you earlier, they went to the temple for this festival. They headed home, and they realized Jesus wasn't with them. He's 12 years old, but Joseph thought he was with the cousins, and Mary thought he was with Joseph. You know how that works. They realize he's not there, and it's three days that he's not with them. And they find him in the temple, and he's talking with the religious leaders. And Mary says, what have you done? In verse 49, Jesus says, but why did you need to search? Didn't you know I must be in my father's house? But they didn't understand what he meant. Listen to verse 51. Then he returned to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. And his mother stored all these things in her heart. Verse 52, Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and all the people. When did Jesus start growing in favor with God and all people? Right after the verse that says he submitted and was obedient to them. You see, children don't grow up and get favor with God and people if they're rebellious and they have no respect for authority. It doesn't work that way. Respect for authority is something that even Jesus' parents taught him. I don't know, maybe you're thinking, well, but wasn't he God in the flesh? He was completely human and had to learn. And you can see from Scripture, he learned things. And he learned things from his parents. 
You see, the first authority that children learn to respect or disrespect is their parents. Every child will decide whether they think they should listen to mom and dad or not. And they will test to see, do they really need to listen? And they will watch, how does mom treat dad and how does dad treat mom? You see, in the home, if mom doesn't respect dad, neither will the kids. If dad disrespects mom, so will the kids. I remember hearing a story a number of years ago, and it was a a husband talking about what he did with his teenage kids when they started disrespecting their mom. They went to his teenage son that was disrespecting mom, and he was pretty upset, and he looked at him, and he said, Listen, you just disrespected my girlfriend. You ever do that again? My girlfriend? And his teenage son, well, no, that's mom. That's my wife. She's still my girlfriend. He spoke it in a way that his teenage son would catch. Don't disrespect my girlfriend. Dad, you make sure kids respect mom. Mom, you make sure kids respect dad. Don't be like, yeah, I'm mad at him too. That's what I wanted to tell him. Go ahead, son, tell him. No, it's disrespect. And disrespect is a serious thing in Scripture when we disrespect authority. His parents taught him well. There's an article in Psychology Today that says this, just one sentence here. Respect for parental authority lays the foundation for a child's moral growth. No respect for authority, no moral growth. Another article from Truth Magazine was, I'm going to say brutally honest, maybe even a little extreme, but I'm going to read it to you anyways. It says, respect for authority is a fundamental in rearing children. It must be the first lesson. For without it, nothing worthwhile will ever be instilled in our children. Children who aren't taught obedience in the home usually have a hard time submitting to authority of any kind. Many parents failing to recognize this have absolutely ruined their children. Thus, we see children who run the home, disrupt the school, take over the Bible class, and later in life, these children are a problem on the job, they get into trouble with the law, and are a menace to society. Finally, they lose their souls. Why? Too often, the answer is the fact that their parents never taught the first lesson. Is your son or daughter or child going to respect a heavenly authority that they can't even see when they totally disrespect you? No, they won't. Church, I know I'm speaking to parents here a little bit. Even Jesus had to have parents that said, there's some boundaries and you need to respect our authority. Don't ever doubt your kids need the same. Teenagers, if you're here today, Your parents may not be perfect, but they are called by God to teach you to respect authority so that one day you will respect the greatest authority there is. Jesus submitted to that authority. We also need to submit to the authorities that God has put in over us. Another article from Horizon Education Center said this, parents will find that teaching their child to respect authority is an ongoing process that will evolve as the child matures and continues through the teen years. However, 
The critical foundations for future lessons are set in the toddler years. It's important for parents to be on the same page and back each other when addressing issues of child behavior. The toddler years is where it begins. It's not cute when the two-year-old or the three-year-old mouths off their mom. It's not funny when they say shut up to their dad. That's the time to lay a foundation of respect. You see, Jesus learned respect, and we know from Scripture that he respected all authority that was over him. Even though in the spiritual realm he was the king of kings and lord of lords, he still respected human authority that was over him. He showed respect when they were wrong and trying to kill him. Matthew 26, 62 to 63, I'm not going to read it, but if you're one of those people that takes notes and checks it out after, Jesus is falsely accused by the religious leaders and he doesn't answer them back and he does not show disrespect to the high priest. In Matthew 27, 11, 14, Jesus is brought before Pilate, the governor. He's falsely accused and he doesn't answer a word. And he does not disrespect Pilate. You can read it if you want in 1 Peter 2, 13 and 23. It kind of says it all about Jesus' heart. But that's not my main message today. I'm not going to go there. But Jesus learned it as a child. You see, why did he need to learn that? Because Mary and Joseph were looking after God's perfect gift that would be presented one day on a cross. It had to be a perfect, sinless gift. And in order for Jesus to be sinless, he would have to submit to the authority in his life. Because according to scripture, rebelling against authority is sinning against God. Think about it for a minute. Rebelling against authority is sinning against God. Like, well, I don't know. Some authority, they're just terrible. They didn't say only if they're not terrible. Well, my parents aren't perfect. I hear them do this and that. Didn't say if they weren't perfect, you don't need to. Exodus 20, verse 12, you read the fifth commandment. What's the fifth commandment? Honor your parents. Respect them. Obey them. When you break that commandment, what are you doing? Sinning. You're like, wow, pastor, this is deep. No, it's not. But we sometimes forget that, don't we? We sometimes think, well, yeah, but whatever. Did you know one of the most difficult places to find people to work nowadays, do you know what it is? Teachers. Nobody's choosing a career to go look after other people's disrespectful kids that lip them off, treat them like garbage, and then have their parents come in and yell at you because you tried to correct them. Who's choosing that career? Parents. We need to teach our children to respect authority, not because they're perfect, but because God put them in authority. Children are gifts, but you and I are responsible to show them how to respect authority, just like Joseph and Mary did. And Jesus learned it well. He spoke and did only the things his heavenly Father told him. You see, he submitted to the greatest authority of all, God the Father. Submitted to the point where when God, his heavenly Father, asked him to give his life, he said, 
yes. You see, he would save the world and he would die on a cross because his heavenly father asked him. You say, well, how do you know that? In the garden of Gethsemane, he prayed and he sweat great tears, drops of blood. And he said these words, oh God, let this past cup this cup passed from me. In other words, this is too much. I don't want to do it. And then he said these words, but Lord, not my will. Your will be done. He listened to his father. Now, thankfully, none of us will have to die to save anybody. Respecting his heavenly father is why Jesus went to the cross. Understanding how to be under authority. You see, he would save the world because he listened. Mary and Joseph were responsible for the gift of Jesus, teaching him right and wrong, protecting him, growing him, and finally letting him go. So become the perfect sacrifice without sin. The gift of Jesus was finally presented to the world where you and I could receive it. It was finally presented on a wooden cross the hill of Golgotha, the perfect sacrifice given in my place. That's a gift worth receiving. That gift was looked after and handed out by a young woman and her husband. Parents, I want to encourage you this morning. You have been given gifts. I don't care how... Much trouble you feel your child might be, or boy, this one is tougher than this one, or they're a gift given to you to look after. And one day you will release them to the world because God gave them a purpose to be a gift to this world. Don't ever give up on your kids. Don't ever write them off. And while you have them, teach them what matters. And I believe the first lesson, can you respect authority? Luke 23 and verse 33 says, When they came to a place called the skull, they nailed him to a cross, and the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes, by throwing dice. The perfect sacrifice. He learned, I will listen to my heavenly father. Authorities, religious leaders mocking him. Romans, responsible for nailing him there, gambling for his clothes. And he submitted fully and he looked and said, God forgive them. God forgive them. Adults, whether you have kids or not, how are you doing with your respect for authority? And I don't always like to go down this road, but let me ask you, do you respect the authority that God has put in place? I know maybe you're thinking, well, I know some politicians, God must not have put them there. They're horrible, but they're there. Do you believe God is still in control? Then somehow he allowed them to be there for a purpose. Do you respect them? Respecting authority doesn't mean you agree with everything. It means you have an honor and a respect for the position. And if you are being asked to do something, if it is not sin against God, 
then you're supposed to do it. The only time you can not have to do it, the authority God's put in place, is if they're asking you to go against God. That's scriptural. And even in that, you can disagree with someone respectfully. Did you know that? Somebody saying something different than what the Bible says or what God says doesn't give you the right to treat them like trash, backmouth, backbite, and destroy. That's not what believers do. How are you at respecting authority? Disrespect for authority is sin. Would I be a pastor that cared about you if I was like, well, the big sins I'm going to mention, don't do those. But you go ahead and do those. It's not okay. Sin makes me really upset because it destroys people's lives. And God says, don't do it. You see, you need to honor and respect for the position. This great gift that, of Jesus that was cared for and presented, he was presented there for you and I to receive. You're going to need to receive that gift tomorrow morning on Christmas. Somebody can hand it out. It might have your name on it. You'll need to take it. You'll need to open it and use it. The gift of Jesus is no different. And we receive the gift of Jesus simply by believing it in our heart and speaking it with our mouth. Romans 10 and verse 9 says, If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's how we receive the gift. How we use the gift is by learning and growing in Jesus. I'm going to take a minute today to pray in case there's one here today, you've not yet asked Christ to forgive you and come in your life. If you've not done that yet, I'm going to give you opportunity because he is a gift worth receiving. I want you to pray this prayer after me. It just allows us to use words to what's in here. So I want everybody to bow and repeat this after me. All right, let's pray this. Repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus. I believe you died for me. I ask you now, forgive me of all my sin. Make me new. Take my life and use it. Amen.